you're listening to the sound environment here on radio galari back again i'm kat and uh i've got jason in the studio how are you yeah thanks kat it's great to be back on air again it's been a little while look it is it is pretty good it has been quite some time but exciting to uh to be back here again what have you been up to Oh, don't ask. I've been all over the place. <laughs> what have I been up to? I've been gearing up to come back onto Radio Galari. All right. Well, we've got a good show prepared. Uh, what do we have on for tonight? Um, we've got numerous topics we should cover um, about the environment in the Kimberley. Um, one of them would be Horizontal Falls and Rio Tinto. Oh, yes. The other big one uh, is the Commonwealth Marine Parks, which the final plans just come out. And there has been some surprises there, and unfortunately some not very good surprises. Yes, that's right, yeah. But we'll discuss that a bit later. That's right. Hmm. All right, and also a few events and bits and pieces that are happening around town and a brand new Animal of the Week. But to uh, get to the matter at hand, Jace, Horizontal Falls, what's been happening out there? Yeah, there's been a bit of a furor lately, um... The Horizontal Falls Seaplane Adventures, they fly out there every day. That's right. All of the time. It gets, uh, look, and I know I've worked in that that industry, that tour gets booked out. People absolutely love it. It's, you know, one of the premier experiences that you can do when you come to the Kimberley. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think they're, so, they're chucking figures around between $40 million to $100 million a year. That's what it's worth to broom in the West Kimberley economy. Really? That... So that the horizontal falls yeah yeah incredible because every tour boat goes there you know and there's operations like the the seaplane adventures that are based there permanently yeah that's right there's all the other operators that fly over it as Mm -hmm. part of their their tours like several different companies do that that's right so the the guys were heading out there with their plane full of tourists on their normal route and they flew right over the top of a bulldozer pushing over trees and they thought what's going on here so they took photos of it and um and started asking questions and then we soon sort of realised that uh, Rio Tinto have held a exploration lease there for quite some time. It, the lease was renewed by the Barnett government um, a year or two ago. Um, so now the copper prices have surged quite strongly, up, up by 25%, oh, I think. I didn't realise that. Has something in particular happened that's caused this increase in copper prices? Yeah, I think, well, the main reason I think is because of the surge in renewable uh, infrastructure, so solar panels, batteries, that kind of thing, use a lot of copper. Anything with electrical components uses a lot of copper. All right, so it's one of those, uh, one of the many metals that we we need for our electronic lives. Yeah. So copper's gone up Mm. and Rio Tinto has thought, "Mm, Let's go look for some more copper. (laughs) Yeah. At the horizontal falls. At the horizontal falls, it's it's uh, exactly fifteen point three kilometres from the falls, so it's pretty close. In Kimberley terms, it's literally just down the road. And uh, Troy Thomas from the horizontal falls seaplane adventures, he said the other week that when you get in a chopper and fly up a thousand feet, you can see the land clearing from the falls. So the tourists see it straight away and they go, "What is that? Who's over there flattening all this bush?" Mm. And I guess tourists have come for this sort of clean, green, pristine sort of tourism experience. They're not expecting to see a mine. They don't, you know, they're not expecting to see something that looks like it belongs in the Pilbara, are they? Yeah, that's right. The whole Kimberley tourism experience is based around the whole wilderness feeling, that feeling of getting out there and having nothing around you that's been trashed by humans, which is what you see pretty much everywhere else. So what was the reaction when people saw this clearing? 
Oh, they were shocked. Yeah. They were full of questions, really surprised. How could, they, how could you possibly let this happen? Um, so Rio, the, the other side of it is that Rio have an exploration lease over the Yampi defence area, training area. So okay, it's so owned, that's out there near Derby. Yeah, yeah it's owned by the Australian Defence Force, so it's Commonwealth land. Um, and, you know, they train the SAS soldiers in that country because it's pretty rugged, wild country. Um, and recently... The ADF signed a contract with Australian Wildlife Conservancy to, for the AWC guys to go in there and manage that land because they realised it's actually full of really rare Australian mammals and strange little plants and animals. I know it is um, one, one of the quirks, I suppose, of this area's history that the defence land ha- is one of the biodiversity sort of hotspots of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so AWC are in there managing it. Yeah, yeah, for conservation, which is great, you know, burning it, burning right way and, and looking after the place, trying to get the feral cattle and the feral pigs out of there, that kind of thing. And how will, might this um, exploration for copper be affecting their work? Well, it really flies in the face of what's happening there already. I mean, I, def- I don't think the Defence Force particularly want a giant mine on their training ground. It makes it a bit hard to uh, fire missiles and do, you know, weapons training and... Um, uh, joint exercises with other people when you've got to sort of <laughs> deal with a, a convoy of mining trucks and things in the road. So it's not exactly the best place to put a mine in a military training ground. Mm. And secondly, they recognise that the conservation values of that area are huge. You know, I think they found one feral cat in there. You which know. is almost nothing. Yeah. Which is incredible. That's right. It's an incredible area. Okay. Well, it sounds like there's a bit of concern about this copper exploration that Rio Tinto are doing. Where in the process are we right now? I mean, do you know, are we going to be expecting a copper mine there next week? Yeah, well, obviously these things take a long time to develop. Um, once, if they do find a lot of copper, which is possible, and the whole, whole area doesn't have a lot of minerals in it, um, then they have to develop a plan to mine it, and they have to go through the whole process to get a mining permit rather than an exploration permit. So this is the very first part of the process of setting up a giant mine. Um, which will take quite some time. So I, I think because the exploration permit's already been issued, the government probably can't do a lot about that. But what the government can do is refuse to issue a mining permit so the mine would never be developed. So you'd have to ask the question for Rio Tinto, why bother spending tens of millions of dollars on a big exploration program on an area that you may never, ever get a mine up in the first place? And even if you do try and do it, you'll have the whole Kimberley tourism industry against you. Look, it's an intriguing question. It possibly has something to do with tax rebates. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> or maybe... <laughs> or maybe there is an in, uh, an intention to put, put a mine there near the Horizontal Falls if they find that there's a sufficient reserve of copper. But yeah. um, it sounds like there's already been quite a lot of kickback yeah, yeah. Over the weekend, a uh, furious amount of kickback. It, it grew very, very quickly. Uh, now there's literally thousands of people emailing the Premier telling him to uh, not allow this to happen. Yeah. And if people want to put their names on that, um, put their names to that and email the Premier, how can they do that? Um, yeah, well, you, you've, you can get the Premier's email address and write a letter to him straight away, or you can go, the easier way is to go on to, there's a couple of uh, web pages, I think likenowhereelse.org, have a really good one, where it's uh, pre-written, and also the Wilderness Society have one as well. 
All right, and we've got a link to the Like Nowhere Else um, pre-written proforma letter there on the Sound Environment on Galari Facebook page. So if you're listening and think, oh, don't know about this copperlet exploration, then get onto our Facebook page. Well, find the link here's the kicker right (laughs) tell me jason the creeks the creeks where the exploration area are they don't those creeks don't flow into horizontal falls but to mine copper ore and to smelt it down you need massive tailing stamps and all around the world there's been huge copper mine disasters you have any doubt about that just google copper mine disaster there's literally right. hundreds and hundreds of case studies. Oh, really? Enormous ones. Yeah, where they wipe out entire valleys. And, oh, no. And um, that, would, would the tailings be quite a city? Am I right in that? Or? Yeah, and laden with chemicals. I'm not exactly sure, um, but it certainly doesn't look very nice. Find out for you, dear listeners. <laughs> so the problem is you're trying to build a copper mine on a, uh, a drainage area which flows into the Robinson River, and the Robinson River flows into King Sound. So, and you all know what the wet seasons are like up here. Sometimes we have huge amounts of rain in a very short period of time. So it really puts a huge amount of risk in having big tailings dams in that kind of environment. If something was to go wrong, um, you could find the Robinson River full of chemicals and pollutants, and that would flow on into the King Sound. If the tide's going the wrong way at the time, you could have pollutants all around Derby, right up into the Fitzroy. Just depends on where the tide's going and what's happening at the time, but... The, the impact could be absolutely huge, particularly for Derby residents. Well, it sounds like there's uh, certainly some risks involved with that potential copper mine, but uh, at this stage, we're st- Rio Tinto's still in the exploration stage and maybe it'll just stay with that. Yeah, they might not find anything, so... <laughs> Who knows? And we're back with the sound environment here on Galari. Uh, just before that song from Sampa the Great, we were chatting about the Rio Tinto exploration at the Horizontal Falls and we mentioned some video footage Uh, just wanted to add that if you want to see that video footage it's available on the Like Nowhere Else website what's the how do you find that Jason? Um, just type in Like Nowhere Else and it's the first pop up first thing that comes up (laughs) anyway moving along to the draft management Sorry. I, no, this is what, a final. Not the draft. See, I'm stuck in the past. The final management plan for Marine Parks, is that right? I, f- I feel like I should give a little bit of background here because people are getting really confused. All right, tell us about it. So way back in, when was it, 2007? It feels like, you, oh, okay, it was literally years ago. It was 10 years ago. The, the Commonwealth Government decided to put in... Can a, I be excused for being a bit vague on it then? Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. I get confused. So they, they decided to put in a Marine park network around australia which is a great thing really well intentioned and away they go and because we've had so many changes of government in the last 10 years this is in canberra unusual amount yeah it's chopped and changed and been thrown around all over the place and so anyway tony abbott decided to suspend the entire thing he said no we're going to go back and have another look at it so he put on an expert scientific panel some of the best professors in australia you know, in marine biology. And they toured the country and did this massive review of, yeah. of these parks and how they work. Well, if you're not sure what to do about it, throw an inquiry at it. Yeah. So the, I think the guys on the inquiry were actually really well-intentioned and I certainly have a lot of respect for them. They did a very good job. And they went back to Canberra and said, here's what we found. Um, and they wrote a draft management plan for the, all the Commonwealth Australian marine parks. And it actually looked quite good. looked quite sensible. And now... The, the 
the Turnbull, the Turnbull government just recently, like two weeks ago, have come out with a final management plan. And what does it look like? It's about half of what the expert scientific panel uh, recommended. So when you, when you say half of it, you don't mean it's half. The reports are half the size. You mean the reserve areas are... <laughs> no, the reserve areas are exactly the same size. All the marine parks are exactly the same, but they just gutted them. So they've taken all the management out of them. So, for example, the sanctuary zones in there have been halved. Oh, um, no. Yeah. And the sanctuary zones are, are really key to a well-functioning marine park, aren't they're, they? They're the engine room of a marine park. Without a sanctuary zone, you really haven't got much. It's not really going to improve anything over a long term. Um, you've got to have them. It's critical, and that's been proven hundred times over all around the world um so what they've done is they've replaced a lot of the sanctuary zones with what they call habitat protection zones which protects the sea floor but it doesn't protect the water column oh so all the fish and animals living in the water column can still be killed all right so so lay out for me what kind of activities can you do in a habitat protection zone versus a sanctuary zone well you can still go fishing yeah but you can't go in there and drill for oil and gas, for example, you can't dig up the seafloor. You can't trawl the bottom with a big prawn trawler. You can't actually trash the, the bottom habitat. Well, anyway, it's much, much weaker than a sanctuary zone mm-hmm. and delivers much less conservation benefits and much less fish because all the fish can still be killed. I mean, a lot of the trawlers use midwater trawls where they go through with a big net halfway up the water column so they can still take all the fish out of there. They just can't drag the net along the bottom. So the government is proposing to have the protection and in these habitat zones fish can still be taken out so the benefits of having a sanctuary which was proposed before are, are gone and suddenly the safe spot for fish to breed and restock the numbers is i guess what you're saying is essentially that's that's going or that's hard yeah well to put it into a kimberley context um you look at the big industries in the kimberley at the moment there's tourism there's pearling Um, and also the recreation fishing industry is pretty big up here. Um, So I had to look at all those industries. And who benefits from this? Firstly, the pearling industry, right? Their key uh, uh, wild fishing grounds are along the 80 Mile Beach up to about Barn Hill there. And they go down there every year and and catch a certain amount of pearl shell. And these shell are used for broodstock and they're also used to stock all the farms in the Kimberley. Absolutely vital ground for the pearling industry. Without that ground, there would be no pearling industry. It's absolutely critical to them. Now they've got the 80 mile Commonwealth Marine Park, which is offshore from the from the coast. Um, and at the moment, it's open slather. You know, you can still go in there and drill for oil and gas. You can do whatever you like in there, really. So even though the pearling industry is a is to me, it's a critical Kimberley industry. It's been here the longest, um, well, one of the longest ones. Um, and yet they've received no protection from this plan. Like, the, their whole industry is literally up. Um, when they go, when oil and gas guys go and research a new area, they go in there and seismic test. It's the first thing they do to figure out what's under the ground. Um, seismic testing's just been proven recently that it actually kills all the zooplankton. You can imagine a little, really? a little soft-bodied, uh, really small animal living in the ocean, mm-hmm. and you drive past it with a massive air cannon firing away. Well, those really small, soft-bodied animals just get pulverised by the air cannons. That's fascinating because I guess up until this recent um, bit of work that you're talking about, it was assumed that there was relatively little damage from this sort of seismic testing. Is that right? Yeah, Curtin Curtin University, though, just done some amazing research. And they've actually shown on sonar how the air guns actually blow holes in the phytoplankton. Oh, sorry, zooplankton. 
I can see it on a sonar. Like, so it does do a bit of damage. And uh, well, pearl oyster larvae are tiny, little, small, soft-bodied little animals floating around in the in the plankton. And if anyone goes near a seismic test, you could literally wipe out the year's worth of pearl oyster larvae. So, yeah. So, so the final plan that's come out of the Turnbull government doesn't protect that industry by putting marine protection in that area. Not if they're going to allow oil and gas, seismic testing, mining, all of those things, trawling, all mm. of that over the pearling grounds. No, it doesn't offer any protection for the pearling industry. Yeah. And what yeah. about the Rolly Shoals? I've seen some comments about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Rolly Shoals is a critical diving area. I mean, you know, it's one of the best dive spots in Australia and I've, I've had a crack at a lot of them and <laughs> I reckon the Rollies is the best I've ever seen by far. Um, and yet the area around the Rolly Shoals is, is absolutely surrounded by oil and gas tenements. Um, they found oil about 60 k's from the shoals and one of the wells they drilled. Oil and gas companies are pretty keen to get in there and drill all around the Rollies and really develop it. Um, so under the marine park plan, they put in a little strip which allows for trawling. This is scampi trawling off the back of the shoals. Um, then they specifically made a zone, which is a special purpose zone trawling, for this little fishery out the back of the shoals. But they couldn't zone off the area around the shoals as at least habitat protection so it doesn't get drilled and dug up and if you if you go in next to the shoals you could be three nautical miles from the shoals you could go in there and drill away you have a massive oil spill you kill the rolly shoals overnight there's no way they can handle an oil spill so it's such a vital tourism a- asset to western australia and yet we can't even look after it we have in the in the marine state marine parks and these these are just the atolls themselves as soon as you move three nautical miles from the atoll into commonwealth waters then you can put in a massive gas rig if you like no problems mm. well um i wonder what the different pathways are at this point is it likely that the current plan will go ahead or is there anything that can be done um yeah there's lots to be done <laughs> there's always lots to be done <laughs> let's just sit back and have a beer <laughs> All right. worry about it later. Before I get to that, though, I just want to talk about the Roebuck Marine Park. Sure. This is not the state one. This is the Commonwealth Roebuck Marine Reserve. It, so it's confusing. It's back-to-back to the state one. So you all know about the state Roebuck Bay Marine Park, which is fantastic. This one sits next to it. And at the How moment, far out is the Commonwealth one? Where it borders the state one, okay. and it goes another oh, 10 mile at it or so. So Disaster Rock, which is a really popular fishing spot, is in the middle of that one. I see. Yeah. And once again critical area for pearling critical area for broom fishing um and it's been offered it's still a giant general use zone so really there's no protection there at all it should be probably a recreation zone because broom people really need that bit of water and just remind me with a recreation zone is it right that that's for recreational fishing but not for big industry yeah it's no um mining and no commercial fishing mm-hmm. yeah so that would uh, probably be ideal for this region and for that popular fishing spot. Yeah, for that particular park. I mean, every park is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's another one called the Kimberley Commonwealth Marine Park, which is goes from uh, one arm of Cape Levique right the way up towards the top of the Kimberley. And they did one good thing is that they moved the sanctuary zone up around the Dell Island, um, which is sort of a bit further offshore. And by doing that, it won't impact the, the one arm point mob too much. So that's quite a good thing. So it's, it's not all bad news, but <laughs> there's some really definite, really easy ways we can really improve this to really benefit Kimberley people. Could be better. All right. Yeah. Um, well, 
I guess it's at this point where we're hoping for some change from the Turnbull government. Yeah, yeah. We've got another, I think it's a month, so submissions close on the 20th of September and you can simply Google um, Commonwealth Marine Parks or you can go to Environment Kimberley website um, and, yeah, you can write a submission there or you can write your own submission and send it off to Management Planning, um, which is part of Parks Australia. They're the guys that are writing these plans. And you'd also want to talk to Josh Frydenberg, who's the Environment Minister. He's the man that's got to sign the deal at the very end. Just why not pick up the phone, give him a call? Give him a call. Why not? Yeah, you might get through. You, know, you never know. <laughs> and we'll put some links to all those websites on the Sound Environment on Galari Facebook page. But otherwise, you can just Google away and yeah. you M- will find out. Melissa Price is the other one. She's our, she's our member. She's, she's the politician who represents us in Canberra. So if she doesn't know about this, it's not very good. Hopefully she knows about this. Give her a call. I mean, I know there's been a lot of a lot happening in... Well, there's always a lot happening in Parliament, but um, <laughs> quite possibly some of the other debates at the moment are overshadowing the Marine Parks plan that's come out. Yeah, but so it seems you, like that. If you're concerned about it, just... Write a little email or give them a call and we'll see what happens. If you want to know any more details, just give me a ring. And where could they give you a ring, Jason? <laughs> they can ring the Environment Kimberley office. <laughs> All right, and once again, you can find that number through our good friend Google. And that's the end of the first part of the episode from the 21st of August 2017. Part two contains a new animal of the week, the freshwater sawfish. It's also available from Radio Galari's SoundCloud account. Good night.